My major pain has, has been invisible. The mobility aid makes it better. It gives me freedom. It can get to the core beliefs we have about ourselves. Don't ever think you're alone. Welcome to Major Pain. I'm your host, Jesse Mercury, and this week we'll be speaking with Kevin, who has been on a bit of a diagnostic roller coaster over the past few years. Kevin likes to joke that he has one major diagnosis from each category, uh, being diagnosed first with ankylosing spondylitis, then vestibular migraines, and recently bipolar disorder. He's also experienced a laundry list of complications from these conditions including uvitis in his eyes, which is a form of eye inflammation, something called costochondritis, which is inflammation of the cartilage that connects a rib to the breastbone, and nystagmus, which is fast involuntary motion of the eyes. Kevin will tell us about the summer that he left work to deal with his health, and he calls it the most horrifying summer he's ever experienced, dealing with extreme dizziness, nausea, and anxiety, and going through all of this completely alone. That was the summer he was diagnosed with vestibular migraine. So according to the American Migraine Foundation, the word vestibular relates to the inner ear and the balance systems of your body. It is associated with symptoms of vertigo. Vertigo is the sensation that you're moving, falling, or spinning when you are sitting still. It can also be the sense that the world is moving around you. Some people who experience migraine can also experience an unusual symptom called Alice in Wonderland syndrome, where things can look bigger or smaller than they actually are. So Kevin was really put through the ringer over a course of years. Ankylosing spondylitis is a painful inflammatory condition, and he was having difficulty with mobility on top of going through these vestibular migraine attacks. And just a week before we recorded this podcast, he was diagnosed with bipolar disorder. So he's just begun the process of reevaluating his own life and patterns of behavior and coming to a new understanding and a new acceptance of himself through this diagnosis. So it's a really fascinating conversation. As a podcaster, I just thrive off good human interaction and good conversation. That's what I love doing this for is just having these conversations where you just really get to know someone and like go deep on something. And we absolutely did that in this episode. You know, there's emotional moments, there's funny moments. It's just just an absolutely fantastic conversation. I can't say enough good things about uh, this chat that I had with Kevin. So I'm very excited to share it with you. I'm going to keep my intro brief today because the conversation goes a little bit long. Um, But I'll just tell you, it's really great stuff. I can't wait to share it with you. I mentioned a couple weeks ago that I am really looking to expand the social media presence of this podcast onto Twitter, and I've had this weird mental block about it. I just had no idea what to post, and, you know, when I started this podcast, my health was in such a bad spot, I just couldn't, you know, think that hard about what I was doing. It was causing so much brain fog to just get the podcast going at all, so I decided to just leave Twitter out of the equation. I did make a Twitter account and then posted three times and left it for a year, Um, And I mentioned a couple weeks ago that I really want to start using Twitter for the podcast. And I'm happy to report that this week I broke through that mental block and I finally remembered how to use Twitter because I used to use it years and years ago for my first podcast and finally had a sort of revelation about how I could post about these podcast episodes. I guess you could say I sort of found my voice to post on Twitter. Uh, something that I was just completely escaping me for the entire history of this podcast so far. So I've been hitting the Twitter hard. (laughs) I went back to the very beginning of the podcast and started uh, scheduling tweets three a day for every single podcast episode, trying to get all of the work that I've done so far up on Twitter. 
And I've already started to connect to the chronic illness and disability community on Twitter, which seems to be thriving. A lot of great conversation happening there, and I'm excited to get to know new people and hopefully bring some people from Twitter onto the podcast and talk to them here on the show. So yeah, it's so strange. You know, I've been doing so much better with my health recently. My brain fog has been so much better. And suddenly things that just felt impossible are are possible again. So Twitter is one of those things. Um, so I would love for you to go follow the podcast on Twitter at Major Pain Pod. I will add that to the list of links in the show notes that I include with every episode. This is a great new way to support the podcast. Even if you don't use Twitter, if you have an account and you never use it, if you don't mind just hopping on and following Major Pain Podcast on Twitter, um, trying to build up our portfolio because one of the main reasons I want to start using Twitter more is that um, it could open up some really cool possibilities of pe- of asking people to come on the show. You know, Twitter is one of those platforms that um, some individuals use a lot, some people that I'd be really interested in talking to. And, it, you know, if, if the podcast has a good presence on Twitter, then I would feel more confident and comfortable reaching out, um, sending direct messages or just tweeting at people that I'd be interested in talking to on the show. So great new way to help support the podcast at Major Pain Pod on Twitter. You can also find us on Instagram and TikTok at Major Pain Podcast. There's a ton of great ways to support this podcast if you're enjoying it. Head to majorpainpodcast.com slash support to learn about all of them. I'm not going to go through my normal spiel today. I want to keep it a little shorter since the episode runs long. But I do have to thank our Patreon producers who are supporting this podcast with generous monthly contributions on Patreon every month at the highest tier of $25 per month. Steve Cavanaugh, Chris Fowler, Ensign Q, Trish O'Brien, and Hipster Leia. Uh, if you'd like to learn about Patreon or Rare Patreon, voice, all the great ways to support this podcast. Like I said, head to majorpainpodcast.com slash support. As always, I'll remind you that my guests and I are not medical professionals. Please do not take any medical action based off what you hear in this podcast without first consulting your doctor. All right, my friends, strap in for a fantastic conversation with Kevin about all of his diagnoses and the roller coaster of chronic illness that he's been through in the last few years, including ankylosing spondylitis, vestibular migraines, and bipolar disorder. Kevin, welcome to the podcast. It is a definite pleasure to be with you today. (laughs) Well, I'm so excited to chat with you. Um, Let's get to know you a little bit. Kevin, why don't you tell us about yourself? All right. Well, of course, I'm Kevin. I'm originally from Detroit, Michigan, the Renaissance City. Um, (laughs) I've spent years living here in Texas. I've also lived in Mexico for a number of years. Uh, Until June of last year, I had worked as basically a director ahead of two departments in a museum in San Antonio. Mm the retail store, which was actually quite large. I had a team of people there. I was also over the admissions area, but I was technically a buyer. So I traveled a lot to buy. And I was really one of a handful of African-American buyers in the United States. So um, I'm (laughs) (laughs) 6'4". So I always stand out and I would hit these gigantic market centers. And it was such a pleasure to walk in and people like, Kevin, Kevin. So that really made me feel good. Um, that was for about six years before that I worked in government. Mm. I worked as a trade specialist for the state of Arkansas for a number of years. So I dealt with people that were laid off from 
their jobs um, because of NAFTA. So if a company closed, for example, one of my last one, a company closed, um, it was a lumber mill. So my caseload, I had 230 people by myself to get into school, continue our unemployment benefits, do relocations on all that kind of stuff. So I've had a lot of stress, which will (laughs) come right back to all of this. Um, But that's me. I'm currently living with my brother and his family. So I have five nieces and nephews from 14 down to one. More stress. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, that's who I am. Wow. So this museum that you worked at, what what type of a museum was it? What type of things would you you procure for this museum? It was a Western art museum. Mm. So, you know, you're... Cowboys, your Native Americans, um, but it was art, fine art of that. And the museum store, of course, I would have to purchase things that related to current exhibition, um, different events that we might have for donors. Um, I would have to create uh, merchandise for the museum. So all of our T-shirts, our chains, water bottles, all of that kind of stuff. Um, I would have to purchase some art myself. I did not. A lot of people think when I say I'm a buyer that I had to purchase for like artwork for the museum. And no, I did the retail side of it. Mm. And when I took over, because I actually started as a regular associate, I had just come back to the United States. I really didn't want to go into something full time. I wanted a part time job, something easy so oh easy as a museum people <laughs> don't know museums are not easy um started part-time some things happened they asked if i want to take the management role i did not have a retail background but because of my personality and how quickly i <laughs> learned things i was put into the role and um, really did well i mean within the first year turned the music the store around completely which shocked even myself um, because I was not a Western art fan at all. I was like, what am I doing here? I'm not into this, you know? Um, and, and I have to, I'll, you'll hear me bring up race a few times because it's very important, but to be an African-American person in a Western art museum that focused on what they wanted to focus on was hard. It was mm. a little challenging, but thankfully the administration listened. They brought in more diversity to the collections and things like that. So um, the people who live in San Antonio um, would see themselves, you know, um, why have a museum somewhere and people don't see themselves on the inside. So wow, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It was really, really, really good. So cool. Yeah. So yeah, I had to buy all that. And I would travel to Las Vegas market center here, Dallas market center, Atlanta market center, different, um, types of uh, local craft fairs and things just to look for those special items. Um, But we had a lot of visitation. I was in charge of visitation. Um, So I ran all the reports, handled two budgets, quarter million dollars each, (laughs) Um, you know, just all of that kind of stuff and had to bring the revenue. Yeah. So it was, it sounds very high stress, high pressure. Yeah. I had a team that I had to work with and, um, and any given time, I had probably six or seven people, but some were part-time, some were full-time, and you're dealing with personalities, <laughs> you know? So, yeah. I loved all of them. Some of them I didn't, so they didn't stay long, but uh, <laughs> it was it was good for me, but at the same time, 
there were some issues, and we'll go into that a little bit later, uh, yeah. in a few minutes. And you mentioned living in Mexico, and, and before we started recording, you were talking about your, your love of Mexico. Um, tell us a little mm-hmm. bit about that, about your love of Mexico. You know, to be very honest with you, I don't really know where it came from. Um, and I've traveled other places, Belize, some other Central American con- countries. I lived in the Bahamas for quite a while. Um, that was a little love thing. But anyway, I <laughs> <laughs> uh, lived there for a while. But there was, in all those places I visited, they were nice, beautiful, this and that. But there was something about Mexico, the energy of Mexico. Um, and you... It's just like the U.S. You know, you can go to one coast, you see something, you go somewhere else, you see mountains. My first time seeing mountains, because um, I, I, you know, young, my mom would take us to Disneyland in California and stuff like that. We would fly, but I wouldn't see the mountains because we would be asleep on the flight. We would leave at night. Mm. But my very first flight to Mexico City, we're like in the air and I'm looking out the window and I'm like, oh my God, what is that? Are we, what is going on? And people are like, mountains were above the mountains it was amazing (laughs) to me and the love of the people the people even to this day i talk to my friends in mexico almost every day people that i considered as like my grandparents and my parents and Mm. you know i had a few times where i caught like dengue and i wake up in the hospital they're standing right there like i'm their child my mother didn't even know about it um you know, so it's just the more than anything, the friendships and the love that I felt from the people um, going down just out the blue, you know, leaving the United States one day. I'm going to Mexico. I'm sick of all of this and meet up with some friends. And they're like, where are you staying? I said, I'm going to get a room over here. And then a friend literally pulls a key out of his pocket. He said, here's the key. We have a house down the street that we don't even use anymore. You can use it for however long you want to. Oh, well, how much do I need to pay you? Your friendship. <laughs> Who does that? We don't do that here in the no. USA. Yeah. You know, so I think that was the main thing. The food, the music, the beautiful scenery, mountains. I lived in the state of Chiapas, which mm. is on the border with Guatemala. So it's the southernmost state. Just amazing. Just amazing. Could be in the beach one moment and then, you know, go to San Cristobal de las Casas and be freezing to death. You know, it was just all of that. So yeah, yeah. so cool. Yeah, I mean, I grew up in San Diego. I w- went to Mexico quite a bit, and just the the food is the thing that I connected to the most. I mean, the culture, obviously, the culture is beautiful, and there's so much to love. We we went to Ensenada once, and I had this magical day where we took like a, I think, a, a horseback ride or, or on donkeys or something. We went up this mountain, and there was this mm. woman there who made us lunch uh, in this like house on top of this mountain, this tiny little house, and that was one of the like the best tacos I've ever had in my life. Like unbelievably delicious. Mm-hmm. There's magic in that food. Well, mm-hmm. let's get into your um, your health journey. I mean, I I just I can tell we're gonna have a great conversation today. You're so fun to <laughs> chat with. But let's get into this. So, Kevin, what is your major pain? I have one thing from every category, but my major. <laughs> My first major diagnosis happened after I had taken over the management position at the museum. Um, I kept having problems with walking. Um, I couldn't straighten up. I was having severe lower back pain. Um, My feet, it felt like I had walked for a million miles, so forth and so on. Um, Ended up having to um, just, just really, it was bad. 
But then the problem that started, I kept having a problem with uvitis. So my eye like felt like someone punched me, mm. but I couldn't see anything. Went to the doctor. He said, oh, you have uvitis. Let me give you some steroid drops and uh, that'll take care of that. Okay, fine. But mind you, I'm still in a lot of pain. One month later, the opposite eye did it. And so I went back to the ophthalmologist, which I always give credit to him. He was just amazing. And he said, Mr. Thomas, you have an immune problem. Something is wrong with your immune system because mm -hmm. you should not be getting this all the time. I'm calling your doctor. I need you to get back there. And I went to my doctor and um, it was one of those times I had to advocate for myself because the nurse practitioner saw me and she basically said, you're just getting old, you're going to be 50 soon, you know, you have a lot of stress at work, and you're commuting a lot. I was like, no, it's not that simple. I, I'm not just getting older. I have walked mountains for years. Mm. This little however many miles I'm walking a week in the museum is not it. Something is wrong. She argued me, and I, for the first time, I had to go back to my old Detroit ways and be like, look, let me tell you something. <laughs> Even you, boop, 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 you know, put the bleeps in. Yeah. And, and, and it scared me how upset, but it was like, I was fighting for myself. She did some blood work. And then I think it was a week later, uh, not even a week, she called. She said, Mr. Thomas, I'm so sorry. Your inflammation markers are ridiculously high. I have to refer you over to a rheumatologist, something is wrong. Um, fast forward, I had to wait like two months, get to the rheumatologist, does the physical exam, has me bend over the table, hits the spot in my back, and I almost kicked her. It mm. was just that painful. Um, I always tell people, it feels like, you know, she sent me to a lab, seemed like they took like two gallons of blood, you know, then I had to go have um, x-rays and scans. And that was really painful. People think x-rays and scans, but when you're on these cold tables and they're manipulating your joints and trying to get the right image. Anyway, about a week later, they called me back to office and my first major diagnosis was ankylosing spondylitis. Yeah, wow. Um, with that, I also had uh, she, which to me is not an illness, but it's a part, but um, I also have Bertolotti syndrome. So I have extra vertebrae down there. Left the office, was stunned. I was like, what is ankylosing, ankle rope? I didn't even know, you know. <laughs> but I'm a researcher. And mm. if you tell me something, I'm going to look it up. Regardless if it's health or not, you cannot just say something. I just walk away. I love researching. So I went home and researched. And I was like, whoa. So my spine is becoming a bamboo pole, basically. Um and so that that was my first major thing um began yeah, treatment immediately go a, ahead a go couple ahead. quick questions for you you mentioned sure. um uvitis in the eyes mm -hmm. what what is that it's an inflammation of the inner eye okay. <clears throat> so you the only way you'll know like i said it was really a week before i noticed i just kept saying wow my my eye is it my eyeball or around my eye but something is sore then it got to the point that I couldn't even see right anymore. Like my vision had changed. And that's why I was like, I told a coworker, something is wrong. I'm not seeing out this eye. It feels like I was punched. Mm -hmm. And um, like I said, I went there and the moment, you know, if you have an eye exam with the, um, when they do the one, when they put the light in your eye, mm -hmm. 
it felt like someone just took, and that was the other thing, sunlight or anything, it felt like someone was just stabbing me in the eye. Yeah. When he hit me with the light, I screamed. He said, I'm done. He said, no, I need to go back and look. And so he dilated and looked. And I later on, when I was able to see um, what it looks like, and when, when you have it, it's like little teeny raindrops inside of your eye, these things just shooting. And it's wow. like, but it's inflammation. Oh, wow. Uh-huh. Okay. And uh, like I say, steroid drops took about two or three weeks, maybe two weeks to calm it down, get my vision back and so forth. And then not even a few weeks later, the other eye did it. Wow. And yeah, yeah so we, we did a great episode about ankylosing spondylitis with um, Elias early on in the podcast, but I'd love to hear a bit about what this disease is from you, someone who, who has it and who's researched it. Can you tell us for people who are listening who are not familiar, what is ankylosing spondylitis? It's an autoimmune inflammatory disease, <laughs> which is going to play into the other major pains that I have. But um, basically, um, from my understanding, from my research, um, it's really your immune system just just saying, okay, there's a problem in here, and I'm just going to attack it, just like all other autoimmune diseases. Um, And it just starts attacking pretty much for me, uh, for most people that have have AS, it, it causes inflammation in your spine. And I knew that I had been having problems for years, way before the diagnosis. Um, I remember being in seminary and waking up and not being able to move my neck at all, period. I would just, you know, kind of do like that. Um, there were other times where the pain, I, lower back is just really painful, and I would have to walk, walk hunched um, and with a limp because it would just hurt so bad. Mm. But it was also my hips. And I remember when I went to the rheumatologist, I said, my butt, deep in my butt hurts. And she kind of giggled. She was like, yeah, that's AS. Because it's, it's, it's your SI joint, which mm-hmm. mine has fused. Um, my hips had eroded. Because you have to think, and this is going to go back into race a little bit, in things in the United States. Um, even though my mom worked in the medical field and when I was young and, you know, under her care and under her insurance, everything was fine. But when I got older, just did, you know, my thing, I knew I had problems, but I would never go to the doctor. You're young. You go drink, drink it out, you know, go (laughs) dance it out. You know, the other issue was I grew up really fast. I mean, I was six, three and a half by like 13. Wow. Um, my brother, we have different dads, but he's taller than I am. So, wow. um, so I just, and my grandmother was extremely tall. Um, and you just think, okay, I'm just tall, you know, and it's just the growing pains and this and that, but yeah, so it's an inflammation of the, um, uh, just uh, inflammatory disease mostly affects the spine. Um, but it can affect peripheral so kind of like rheumatoid arthritis where you'll get joint problems mostly the larger joints um for example right now i'm dealing with um i'm probably going to say it wrong costochondritis where two of my ribs are swollen Mm. and when that started early in the year i thought i was having a heart attack but i had just gone to the cardiologist um and i knew i had a heart condition because of as which is um aortic regurgitation which happens with a lot of AS patients. So your your heart, your aorta, everything, you're pushing fluid in, uh, pushing the blood through, but some of it is coming back. 
because it's wow. now inflamed and so forth. So it's really, it's an inflammatory disease. I always say AS and RA are like cousins or sister diseases. Yeah, yeah. It's just the, um, I think the RA people get more of the smaller joint deformities and stuff like that. We get the larger ones. It's a really fine line. We have pretty much the exact same symptoms. Um, but you know, it's still different. Um, which leads to my second thing. Yeah. Um, so, and I think I mentioned you before, um, last spring, um, and I'm not going to bring up this part cause I don't want any controversy, but I had to do something that a lot of people have done through this pandemic. And right after that, I developed a, um, I had a thing over here. I don't want to say it cause I don't want, you know, have controversy. I, I think I know where you're going and I feel like this is a yeah. very, very receptive crowd, you know, okay. I, I'm, so I had to, I'll just say I'm fully vaxxed and boosted. <laughs> okay. So I, so good. I'm glad you said that. All right. So I had the vaccination. I had uh, the one and within a few days, this side became, began itching really bad. The opposite side, then like all, under your arm. The opposite side. Mm -hmm. mm. Then all of a sudden I noticed it was swelling, but me being me having dealt with AS already for like, by that time it was three years. I'm like, yeah, whatever. It'll go away. It blew up to like a, almost a baseball under my arm. Wow. So I went to the doctor and they were like, what in the boop is this? <laughs> we know people, they get, you know, lymph problems and this and that, but this is utterly ridiculous. I mean, it was bad. It was humongous. But then my other doctor said, have you had any growths before? And I said, yeah, I had to have a chunk taken out of my leg about a year or two ago. Um, and it was just weird. It popped up and then another one popped up. They removed that. She said, have you ever heard of hydrogenitis supertiva? And I was just like, nope. <laughs> so guess what I did? I had to go research it, but it wasn't hydrogenitis. I had gotten a lymphatic infection. Hmm. So fast forward. Um, uh, so we got that under control. I had to use some different creams and this and that and some antibiotics, which I think I had a bad reaction to antibiotics. But one morning I woke up, I noticed the night before I lived alone at that time. I've lived alone for years, but I, I said, you know, I need to get something to eat tonight. I'm going to go to, you know, Subway and grab a sandwich. And I said, well, I'm going to go over here and get this too. When I walk out my apartment, I said, something is wrong. But I kept walking. Like I said, you're dealing with chronic illness, so something is pretty much always wrong. Sure. But I noticed the lights, the street lights were like super brilliant. I mean, like, like they were on 5,000 million watts. They're just super strong. And then, like, the city buses were going down, and the red lights are on the back. Instead of seeing like four, I was seeing 20 of them. Whoa. And I'm like, what in the world? So I was seeing double and triple of everything. It just didn't make sense to me. But me being me, I just went on, went home, ate, went to sleep. I noticed I did not sleep well that night. Got up in the morning to get out of bed. And when I got up, I immediately fell to the right. I mean, just hit the wall, hit my dresser, hit my arm. And it felt like somebody had pulled me. And I was like, what in the heck is this? 
And I said, okay, whatever. I just maybe I just slept wrong or something like that. But I noticed I was dizzy and nauseous for about three or four days to the point my cousin had to come and bring me dinner because I couldn't get out and this and that. Then it kind of subsided. <clears throat> Flash floored again. This period, I'm resigning from my job at the museum because by this time, I'm just tired. I'm worn out. From the day that I received my diagnosis, that I had not taken any time off to recuperate, no FMLA, nothing. Um, I was just tired. You know, we had just gone through the pandemic. The museum had been on lockdown. You know, we were at home. During this period, I was raising my 15-year-old nephew mm. by myself. Teenager drama was enough to, you know, do whatever. I mean, we had a really, really bad incident at the end. But anyway, so I'm resigning. Um, I go ahead and resign, say goodbye, bye. You know, I can say, bye, Felicia, I'm out. You know, I'm gone. <laughs> I'm planning. I've already planned, bought the plane tickets. I'm going to Mexico because I know I'm taking a portion of my 401k out. I'm just going to live off of that for six months. And then, you know, they give me time to recuperate, relax, da 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 and then I'll uh, come back to the United States and decide what to do next. I knew I had inherited some land, you know, in another state, and I can go do that, blah, 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 blah. And I had the money. Um, during this whole time, I'm still dizzy. Still dizzy, can't get out of it, taking like little children's allergy medication because I don't like taking medicine. I'm going to take a little purple juice, and I would feel better. And I'm like, hmm, that's weird. Flash forward. Everything is all set. I had to wait for the check. Go to the airport. Go to get, you know, sitting at, go through TSA, which I overdid it because I didn't want to carry a lot. But the stuff that I had, even in my backpack, was way too heavy for me. I could feel it pulling on me and just hurting. Get to the gate. All of a sudden, this horrible feeling of like I'm in an oven, but at the same time, I'm cold. And I feel like I'm about to die. Mm. literally feel like I'm about to die. And I go to the counter to tell the guy, hey, ask the guy, do you guys have a nurse or something? Something is wrong with me. And he just kind of looks. And the next time I look, I'm on the floor. Paramedics are surrounding me. I collapse at the gate wow. before leaving. Next thing I know, I'm in the ambulance, and they're just like, there's something wrong with your ear. Da -da 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 have you been dizzy and stuff? I'm like, yeah, like really bad. So, um, I'm sorry if I'm taking too long. No, but it's great. It's great. I'm, I'm can't wait to see what happens next. <laughs> yeah. So then I, um, uh, contact my doctor and I'm trying to get in because my insurance is about to end. Cause mind you, I just resigned. So I get into my doctor. I'm like, I called him like, Hey, they're saying I have, you know, my ear feels a little wet. Something is wrong. Da, da, da. She prescribes antibiotics. I run, get the antibiotics. I'm staying with my cousin because I've already given up my apartment. My lease was up, you know, all that kind of stuff. Take the antibiotics. And I'm like, oh, no, this is not working. Um, and the airline has rescheduled me the very next day to fly out. But they said if I had a problem to call. So I did. I was like, hey, I can't do this flight. They're like, don't worry about it. Your ticket is good for, you know, blah, 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 blah. Because I had paid a lot of money for this trip. And um, and so I'm sitting in my cousin's house and I'm just like, I can't go to Mexico like this. I am nauseous. I'm dizzy. I can't get my balance. Da, 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 da. 
So what I decide, instead of going to Mexico, and I don't want to stay with my cousin, love her to death, but I don't want to stay there. You know, that's her place. She had a one-bedroom car, but I don't want to do that. I decided to go to the border where I had lived before. I go to the border, had to take dramamine and all this to get down on the border. I get off. Um, mind you, remember I said I got the bed? That was actually a vertigo attack, and that wasn't the first one I had. Get down to the border, check into a hotel. I got money. Everything is going to be wonderful. I can stay here for two or three weeks, you know, until I get myself together. I'm going to bounce back, and I'm going to Mexico. The day after I arrived at the hotel, I had a major vertigo attack. I'm talking full spin. Room is flipping. I'm stumbling to get to the lobby and telling the young lady, um, I think I'm dying. Can you call an ambulance? Laredo is so small. The ambulance like, literally, I forgot the building right next to the hotel was the firehouse. So they just came right around there, got me. <laughs> um, they wanted to lay me on the stretcher. I was so sick, I couldn't lay on the stretcher. I was like, can I sit up? And I had to hold my head a certain way, go in, see a doctor, emergency doctor. He flippantly is like, you have BPPV. And I'm like, what? And he said, yeah, your crystals are all wrong. Hmm. Gives me some stuff. I'm feeling good. Uh, go to see ENT. And he's like, tell me more of what happened. And I told him, he's like, that doesn't sound right, but let's give it some time. I never got better. They did the, uh, the maneuver that I think it's the Epley maneuver mm -hmm. when you have uh, BPPV did nothing for me. I'm sitting in this hotel by myself, go to see another ENT. He's the one that says, Mr. Thomas, have you had migraines before? I was like, yeah, I started having them about two years ago. I was getting like the really bad headache. But then like a few months later, I started seeing lines in the air and all of this. He said, oh, so you had chronic migraine with aura. And I was like, or he said classic migraine with aura. And I was like, yeah, that's what the people told me. He said, have you had one recently? And I was like, no. He said, yes, you did. You had one when you fell out the airport. You have vestibular migraines. What? What is that? <laughs> He said, your aura now is all your nausea and all this kind of stuff. Um, but the sad part was, he was like, not much I can do for you. Here's some Meclizine and just take it easy. Maybe to clear up. Wow. What? So I was still in Laredo paying for hotels. I switched hotels to get a better price and all of that. And... I don't know what else ha happened. I, it was just like, it was last year of all the things I've been through in my life was the most horrifying summer I've ever experienced. And I was all alone. Wow. Completely alone. Trying to get to doctors to, you know, go to urgent care. Cause I said, maybe something with my stomach. So I went and bought a big thing of prune juice. I'll just drink prune juice. Um, yeah. When you're drinking prune juice, you're only supposed to have like a little bit. I like drank the whole bottle. So my system just, just went. And I thought, oh, my God, I have cancer. My Everything is coming out. Oh, oh no. <laughs> but, you know, it was just craziness. But when you're alone by yourself and you really don't, because even when he said vestibular, it wasn't definite. He was like, we have to do some more testing. He said, but I'm leaning more on this. Um, and, I, and I'm sorry. Uh, it had also told him my grandmother was diagnosed with Meniere's disease. 
That sounds familiar. What, what is that? Meniere's disease is an inner ear disorder. It's a disease of the inner ear. Okay. And um, so my grandmother would have episodes where she would be perfectly fine, then just out the blue, vertigo, nausea, um, just so even she had this weird thing where her whole like from her nose and all, everything would just swell up. But she would do like Dramamine or something. The next day she would be fine. Mm-hmm. So that's when the ENT was like, I'm saying vestibular migraine, but it could be Meniere's disease. So um, flash forward, I knew I couldn't keep staying where I was at. I, I called my doctor in San Antonio. She wanted me to come back. Just in order to be able to go back to San Antonio, I had to take Dramamine and all this because now not only am I dealing with nausea and dizziness, I'm dealing with full-on anxiety mm. because anytime I go somewhere, I'm afraid I'm about to fall yeah. or I'm going to spin or anything like that. So I was able to get up there and it was really strange because I did not tell her about the anxiety. I walked in, um, they sat me in the room. She, uh, the nurse gave me this questionnaire and I'm like, whatever, who cares? So I'm feeling it all, answering all the questions. Like, yeah, I'm having problems with this. Yeah, okay, da, 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 da. Doctor comes in. I love her to death. She comes in. She does her examination. She talks to me. She says, I need you to get on the table. I need you to lean back. And so she got me on the table. And as she was leaning me back, she just said, oh, my God. And I was like, did my eye come out? What's going <laughs> on? She was like, no, but it is your eye. She said, I've read about it. We've talked about it in medical school. She says the first time I'm actually seeing it. She said, you're having, um, I hope I say it right, nystagmus. My eyes were just twitching, just going crazy. She said, are you gonna, Are you super dizzy? I said, yeah, I've been like this since June. Mm. She teared up. She was like, what? I was like, this has been 24 seven. Wow. Um, and um, so, we got through that. She told me some things and um, she said, but before you leave, now this is going to my final, what is your pain thing? Yeah. Um, she said, we, you answered all the questions. She said, have you ever been through a psych value? Have you ever sat down with a counselor? I said, oh, a long time ago for like smoke cessation. She had me put a rubber band on. That worked until I put the rubber band on the two packs of cigarettes. So I don't know what that was about. But, <laughs> <laughs> but she was like, Mr. Thomas, she was like, you have an anxiety disorder. And I know you've been having panic attacks. And I was like, yeah, I've been to emergency a couple of times with those in the past. And um, she's like, well, she said, no, you don't have insurance. And I know you pay cash for this visit. But I have a counselor waiting in the next room for you. You're going to go in there with the counselor, and she's going to talk to you about some stuff. The most, most wonderful moment in my life. Uh, they did diagnose me with generalized anxiety disorder. Um, the doctor did all she could, but I was still um, really, 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 really messed up. Um, counselor really helped me with, you know, you know, the five things, what did you, did you see? The four things, the three things, the two things, gave me some papers and stuff. But I'm still dealing with nausea and stuff like that. Uh, at some point, I leave. My brother um, wants me to come up here to Fort Worth. He's like, you need to get up here. So I got up 
And they were literally in tears and they were like, you need to stay here with us. You have been alone by yourself all this time. Mm. This is not what family does. Come home. So I came up here. That's where I've been since then. And since I've been here, I've gone through, I had some testing done and it wasn't Meniere's disease. It was, it is vestibular migraine. Um, through this process, I realized I could not go back to work. I mean, even now I'm still having issues, um, mostly from the AS because it's hard. There are days I have my cane here. I can't really walk. Um, yesterday, my niece cried because I got up to open the door because she was knocking on the door and I jumped up. I was bent over and I opened the door and I said, yo, what do you need? She was like, are you dying? And I'm like, no, I'm just, you know, it's a lot of pain and this and that. She said, I just feel so sorry for you. I said, don't feel sorry for me. And I said, I've been dealing with this for a while. But anyway, um, so I had to file for disability. Um, and I did it by myself because I'm Kevin. That's what I do. I do things on my own. <laughs> and, um, you know, it was a nice little process until I was denied, um, which triggered an episode where I got, I became extremely depressed. Mm self-hating, self-loathing, you know, am I a fraud? You know, did they see through me? Am I just making all this up? Blah, blah, yeah. blah, blah, blah. blah. And, uh, you know, and it was a dark period. And I, it was hard for me to pull out. Anyway, flash forward again. Um, I saw another doctor. That was a bust. You know, you can spend a lot of money for them to tell you basically nothing. Yeah. Um, disability was, before disability was denied, I had to, sit with a um, disability psychiatrist because for some reason they really focus on the anxiety disorder, which, okay, fine. Went through that simple blah, 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 blah. Um, and then they had me have the physical exam with a disability doctor and um, went through all that. Uh, I didn't feel really good about it because I knew he was kind of blowing me off, you know, like, oh, your walking is good. Yeah, I have AS, so I have flares. Sometimes right. I can't walk, you right. know. Um, well, your gait is good. Yeah, I'm in this tiny space. Catch me walking down the hall. It's a whole different ball game. Um, and then he noticed, he said, I see you have generalized anxiety disorder. I said, yeah. He said, who diagnosed it? I said, my doctor, um, because that they didn't get the records from that particular doctor, which I didn't know at the time. And uh, he said, yeah, I want to tell you something. He said, there's a lot going on here. I really want you to go to this particular agency here in Fort Worth um, to see them. Oh, okay. Blew it off. You know how we do. I'm like, I'm just trying to get the nausea down, stop being dizzy, be able to walk this and that. Anyway, I, uh, eventually um, was denied and I immediately got an attorney. Wonderful experience getting an mm -hmm. attorney. They go through their own evaluation if they want to take the case, intake and so forth and so on. And uh, they did take my case and it was the case manager who mentioned, did you ever go see anybody else about this? And then I was like, no. I said, I tried to call the agency, but I could never reach anybody, this and that. She said, here's a direct number. Literally, I hung up from her, called the agency, someone answered. Two days later, I was sitting, being doing an intake and evaluation 
for a uh, mental health service here in Fort Worth. And my preliminary diagnosis was, of course, I already had been diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder. Um, but through different things, all the questions, PTSD came up and major depressive disorder came up. And I'm like, that's a lot. But anyway, okay, <laughs> makes, you know, kind of some sense. And they say, okay, but you have to come back and sit with the psychiatrist or the nurse practitioner for your treatment plan. So that's what I did when? Last week. Wow. So last Monday, I went in for the treatment plan. So yeah, this is relatively new. And I'm just expecting, okay, you know, we're going to talk about the depressing stuff. And, you know, um, I had already had one medication for the anxiety, but I, it did, did help a little bit. Um, but I didn't want to be on a medication and not be under some type of care. So I stopped and I had some other reasons for stopping it. And um, so I sat with her. Um, I was really happy. And I hope your audience doesn't take this wrong. I was really happy. It was an African-American mm -hmm. physician um, because I just felt like she would understand some things that are cultural. Yeah. You know, um, as opposed to other people, not a, you know, a kid, but it's just, you know, your people know you, you know, basically. Yeah, and that's, and that's what she did. And she said, so I thought the other people that was their diagnosis. And that was, and she's like, no, that was preliminary. Mm. She said, I have to do my own evaluation. So we sit through it. And as you tell, I talk really fast, but in those situations, I'm like, <laughs> and she's like, yeah, I really went through everything. And I know you're dealing with depression here and there. She said, but from all that you told me, even the life decisions you made and through my experience, you're dealing with a manic period. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, what? <laughs> you know, what are you talking about? She's like, Mr. Thomas, you're bipolar. It probably was as a, as a, as a shock of, it was, it was a major shock for me. Yeah. The only reason being is because I have family members who I've always said, you know, they need to get in to go see somebody because they are really up and down. I wouldn't doubt if they have some little bipolar stuff going on or, you know, manic depressive. That's how I always knew. I really didn't know it was manic depressive was the original name. Now it's bipolar. Never in a million years thought of my own self, you know? And um, so that was that was diagnosed. And what do I always do? research, research. <laughs> so that's what i did all last week i they did send the medication i have not taken it yet um because you know there's a little bit of denial in it because you're just like nah i'm not like those family members you know this and that but that's what last week was was sitting down being very real with myself wow. um number one people who deal with uh, chronic illness pretty much have at some point some mental health issues going on too, where there's anxiety, depression. But when I really paid attention to it, like the original counselor way back when it told me when she'd asked me, well, do, do, what has happened? I said, oh, well, you know, I've had these health issues for the last couple of years. And then I was raising a nephew. Da, 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 da. She was like, let's go back further. 
yeah, and so this happened, da 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 Let's go back. I said, let's stop going back because now you started to go into some deep areas. She said, exactly. Mm. She said, this stuff is not from just recently. This is going back. So that was what last week was for me, just going back to see when have I been manic? Oh, every time I quit a job and get on a plane and go to Mexico. Yeah, <laughs> that's that. You know, um, you know, or um, because one of the things when you look at the symptoms for uh, I'm bipolar one, so I have more mania than depression, um, more manic episodes than depression. I'm still learning all the terminology. Um, I always see, you know, you're like you feel really great and you have this sense of grandeur. I never really, I, I had those moments, we all have, but I told someone, I said, that's why I think the diagnosis might be off because I don't. And they said, what do you experience? I said, I have periods where I get extremely irritated. Everything irritates me. I get so angry. Even just like going to a store, I'm like, why is that person wearing that? Why do they smell like that? But it becomes like ridiculous. Wow. And they said, go back and look at the symptoms again. I hadn't even noticed irritation, anger were sitting right there the whole time. That's another form. You don't have to have the euphoric highs. This is just that. And that's when it dawned on me, oh, that's what it is. Wow. Um, but then I was still a little confused. And it will switch and go to your questions. But because I was still like, but like this period, I have days and, I, and it dawned on me because like I said, it's five kids here, three adults, gigantic house, but they will tell you, they, what did my sister-in-law call me? She calls me um, like Molly made or something because they'll leave to go somewhere and the, the dirt and all that will probably irritate me. I will clean the whole house mm. in like an hour. <laughs> but it's like, I just go. It's like, there's something I can't stop. Um, so now I'm really starting to understand these things in myself, um, still accepting, you know, trying to accept everything, um, trying to get over the anxiety of medication because I deal with 24 seven dizziness, which has been moderate lately, but I don't like that. Nobody likes that dizzy feeling, you know, the off balance feeling, but I know this med medication will possibly do it, you know? Um, mm. so that's that. This yeah. medication could possibly make dizziness worse. It had it, one of its side effects is dizziness. Oh wow! Oh man, so yeah. complicated, and and it's kind of incredible that we've caught you right in. I'm this like moment. looking at your face, and I'm like, oh my god, I feel bad. He's probably like, why did I ask him to be on this show? Are you he kidding? So no, I'm I'm amazed. <laughs> I'm I'm I you you did such an incredible job of talking us through your story so far. I'm. I'm Thank amazed. I'm, I'm I'm so interested. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> and we've caught you right in this moment of self-discovery, which is kind of incredible, where just last week you were told that you are bipolar. Is that diagnosis, I mean, you're right in the midst of sort of thinking about this, but it, does that diagnosis feel um, like it's going to be integrated into your self-story? Does that feel, do you resonate with it? Does it make sense to you now that you had had a little it bit of time to now. think about it. Yeah. It does now. Um, and I think it will, because it actually called there today because, you know, there's bipolar type one, bipolar type two. I didn't know which I was. I know she kept mentioning manic, so I called today 
And I said, you know, I was there last week and I got diagnosed, but I really don't know what's going on. I don't know if I'm type one, type two. And they're like, oh, we can do a letter and send it out. And I'm like, do I have to come up there? You know, I depend on family because I don't drive anymore. I stopped driving a while back yeah, um, because I was having any anxiety about driving a long time ago before i even got all these illnesses um but uh the counselor they did tell me they were like bipolar one general anxiety disorder anxiety and panic <laughs> and i'm like okay you can stop naming all stuff <laughs> right now you know um but i see it all in me mm. but the grace of this period in my life i have not worked since last june is that it's the first time in a very long time where i've had time to think and feel things because i was so busy working working taking care of a teenager for a while you know taking care of all my bills and not not taking any trips i was also president over a, a nonprofit organization for museum buyers and i had three states and another country under me you know <laughs> trying to yeah. keep that together during the pandemic so it's like i didn't have time even with my main main illness ankylosing spondylitis which is a trigger for all of this or the mental actually cause ankylosing that's a whole other subject because i just yeah. did the research on that but um i just didn't have time to think about anything and now I do, and I also feel everything. I can feel when I get into a, a depressive episode and I can't pull myself out by my old tricks. Oh, let me just go get, you know, a little something to drink. Let me go to North Star Mall. And I am known in the family as the Best Buy guy. My room looks like Best Buy. I have every electronic device you could think of. <laughs> Not realizing now that was part of my bipolar disorder distraction distraction and you they're part of it is like spending money you really don't have even though i made good money but i still had like a lot of credit cards and this and that but it was nothing for me to be like okay that's going to be 300 dollars for that tablet this bill over here i'm gonna go ahead and get the tablet because it would give me the instant gratification mm. you know and stuff like that gotcha. um and just really quick um doing the research um this past week um, on mental health disorders, so I have high blood pressure also. I've read where the mental health disorder, because you're releasing so much adrenaline and cortisol and so forth and so on for so long, that you've set up an autoimmune problem, you know. And being a person of color, I always jokingly say it, but, um, and I'm going to out myself just because just how I am, I'm free. But being a black gay man in America is already PTSD. Just just, just off the bat, you know, the things that you go through. Um, but then having these wonderful positions and dealing with imposter syndrome, like, why am I really in this role? I really don't know how to do Excel spreadsheets, but here I am doing <laughs> you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, and I just think my job was extremely stressful. Um, even though it was a museum, um, it was very stressful. And I know I did not have good stress management. Stress management for, for me was to shut down. Yeah. Um, and I would, um, I never accumulated PTO because 
uh, by the time I accumulated PTO, I was either having to be out because I need to go for an appointment or a treatment or a minor surgery, or I was just totally wiped out, you know, dark, go home on Friday, take Monday off too, not speak to anybody, barely watch TV, just sit on my balcony, eat and not knowing I was going through episodes, you know, and my body just, just going through stuff with my body at the same time, not being able to walk, wanting to get out and do things and you're hobbling everywhere, even on for AS or autoimmune disease. We, a lot of people take biologics. I was on a biologic. Thank God everything worked out. I paid nothing for it. And it was like 5,000 injection and I was taking two a month. But um, I remember crying with my doc, my rheumatologist. Um, I'm doing the injections and everything, and I feel a little different. I have so much pain. And she had to tell me, uh, you're in pain because your joints are damaged bad. You know, uh, my cervical spine, I'll have to have something done with that at some point. Okay, I'm done talking. I'm going to let you go back to your podcast, sir. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you've got so much happening at once. It sounds so overwhelming. And then, I mean, just having ankylosing spondylitis would be enough to cause a lot of stress, you know? Mm-hmm. Just just being a black man in America is enough to cause a lot of stress. Like, we're living in, like, kind of horrific times right now um, mm-hmm. where it you know, as a kid, I'm like, wow, we've made so much progress. You know, I grew up on Star Trek and just thinking mm-hmm. about the future and, and equality and all that. And then, you know, we've just been kind of smacked in the face by, it's like, nope. <laughs> like, we are not anywhere near as far as we thought. Um, and I think, you know, not to cut you off, but I think that was something that really affected me because I was like you. I'm a Gen X. You know, I was mm-hmm. born in 68, just celebrated my, I was diagnosed with AS on my 50th birthday. I just... Wow turned 54 on September 7th, so four years now. But I remember growing up, and yes, I saw the bad stuff, especially growing up in Metro Detroit. Our whole economy dropped. You know, my dad thankfully worked for Chrysler his whole life. Unfortunately, two years after he retired, he was gone, you know, but Mm -hmm. he did. He never got laid off, but everything in our world had changed. But I was like you. I really thought we were really... You know, two, what is it, two steps forward, one step back, or one step or two back, whatever. You know, it's like, okay. But then when, I'm just going to say, when there was a change, (laughs) it was like everything came out. And that was the most, I remember, I don't want to get political, but I remember when a change happened and that next morning I woke up and I was heading to the office. I was commuting. I was literally sitting on the bus crying. in tears and i was just like there has to be some hope in this and something said look up your city who did your city vote for Mm -hmm. i was so oh my god the tears really started falling i was like my city my this is why it's home then i looked at houston dallas you know all the men and i was like Yes, yes. I know my safe harbor, you know. Mm. But after that, it was just like, what has happened? You know, and that that was hard. And even dealing with um, healthcare for me also had its challenges. Um, that's something I bring up. I've, I've written a few articles here and there, but that's something I have to bring up when talking about co- 
chronic illness, um, um, being an African-American male, because sometimes people think, uh, you know, we can deal with pain and, you know, this and that, you know, our people can carry it. No, the hell I can't. Excuse my language. No, I can't. <laughs> Tired of it, you know? Yeah. Um, but you're living through an insane amount of, of pain, like emotional pain, physical pain. No one can mm -hmm. take can take that much pain, you know. Mm -mm. And I and I'm recently, I, I'm still here though, you know. Yeah. And I, you know, I joke and I say, well, you know, I'm I still laugh and this and that. But my problem, probably like many people with chronic illness and pain, it's not during the daytime; it's in the wee hours of the morning. Mm. When once again I'm waking up, you know, at two o'clock every night. That's why I had to start the medication because I do not sleep well anymore. But, you know, waking up and the thoughts start running, you know, and yeah. the slight, like this morning I woke up, I was like, oh, no, I feel some dizziness coming on. Luckily, it didn't kick in, kick in. But it's every moment monitoring. And I had to say, okay, no, I can't monitor this all the time because it's, 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 it's causing me more anxiety. So sometimes I'm just like, I'm not even going to think about it. Next thing you know, I'm like laying on the ground, like, what the heck just happened? You know? <laughs> um you know or whatever so yeah it, it's it, it's it really has been a lot i think it's my family you know my mom is like my cheerleader she i just went to the mailbox today she sent me a small note no money nothing just a small note you know because of the diagnosis last week just encouraging me you know um uh, my brother i have need of nothing I never ask for things, though, because that's my old independent nature, you know, but uh, he got upset about that at first. Ask for stuff. Don't just sit there and not, you know, <laughs> do with it. But my brother, my sister-in-law, uh, if I leave my cane downstairs, the kids are like, here's your cane. You know, they always <laughs> bring it to me. They're always, um, I don't know if you do this as a, a person that, you know, deals with chronic pain and illness. But when I move, I grunt a lot. Oh, yeah. You know? <laughs> I'm like... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, sir, because I watch my niece sometimes because my sister-in-law, she started working out the house and stuff. So I watch my niece. Like I said, she's a year. She'll be two in um, March. But I had to laugh and I felt so bad because I was getting off the couch and I was like, mm. <laughs> she got up and she's like, and I was like, oh no, I'm to the baby. She's like always grunting now. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I do the same. Uh, so you oh. mentioned being on uh, biologics for ankylosing mm -hmm. spondylitis. Are you still doing that? And is there anything else that you were taking for, for that condition? I was on biologics for two years. Um, no, I'm no longer on it because once again, very expensive. Mm. Um, I no longer have that health coverage because um, the um, my insurance through my employer and I they paid for that insurance paid for a portion of course the company I was on Placentix they had their copay card so I never you know they I forgot how many thousands a year they give you on the copay but it was always taken care of um, unfortunately my very Last dosage because our insurance, you know, your insurance changed at the beginning of the year. Yeah. My last dosage um, before the insurance change was what we call a dead dosage where it was shipped because, you know, they always do it overnight. 
but I think I was traveling, but I was trying to get back home. So I sat in the courier's office and I guess they figured, oh, there's dry ice in there or whatever. It'll be fine. Yeah. I didn't get it for like three or four days when I got it. It was hot. So it was dead. Yeah. I still injected it. It did nothing. That was my very last dosage because then my insurance, um, when we changed the new, we still had the same company, but it went from being a PPO to an HMO. So now under the HMO, they wouldn't cover it. It was like this drawn out fight and it was just a nightmare. And at the same time, it was no longer effective because I had gone from one injection to two really wasn't working. So we were going to have to switch anyway. So I just let it go. I was like, what, what's the worst that can happen? Yeah. The worst did happen because all these different things I've been dealing with, like the vestibular migraines and all that kind of stuff. The doctor said that it was probably triggered by inflammation yeah. in my inner ear because I did have fluid and stuff for a period or whatnot. Um, the heart condition from AS, um, there's a lot of different things that have been going on float around, you know, not being treated. So what I, uh, your question, you know, um, for a while I did nothing. Mm. Um, the last rheumatologist, I did get a new rheumatologist, but once again, insurance is going to run out because I was leaving. Um, who gave me some emergency meds, um, basically some uh, NSAIDs, steroidal, anti-inflammatory, whatever. Um, But I wouldn't take them because I don't like just taking stuff to be taking it. And I was, I just thought I would deal with the inflammation and that was the worst thing I could have done because now it's uncontrolled. Um, I am seeing a doctor now. Um, I cannot, I don't have insurance. Um, this is the reality of people that live with chronic illness and pain. Some of us don't have the nice insurance. Uh, one of uh, one of the good things that is available, and I don't know if I can mention or not, but it's some. It's I probably won't get the name because I don't know how you are with things, but it's almost like concierge medicine, and they're all over the United States. But you can pay so much monthly for a physician. My doctor is amazing, and I don't even pay it. I pay like $70 a month. Wow. Every physician is different, but um, you only deal with that doctor. Um, I could text him at any time. Like, so never had COVID, right? <laughs> I think you remember what happened. Never had COVID through the whole two and a half years. When, when I went to do my evaluation with the, uh, <laughs> the psychiatrist and everything, I guess I picked up something because by two days later, I had COVID. Uh, and I messaged the doctor and he was like, yeah, I'm glad you messaged with me because I got COVID on Monday. <laughs> so we're both sitting there like, he walked me through the whole thing. You're going to feel this for two or three days. And it was textbook. Mm. And I was like, I am so glad I have this care. Um, what he does for me is because um, I can't go to any other doctor's. But because of the way it's set up, he consults with other specialists, rheumatologists, uh, nephrologists, you know, these different ones. So when I told him I'm having a bad problem with inflammation um, and so forth and so on, he said, let me contact my rheumatologist colleague for you and let him know what's going on and I'll get back with you. The next day he was like, 
He wants you back on biologics. Need to see you go to physical therapy, this and that, da, 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 da. And I'm like, oh my God, how much do I owe you for doing that? He said, it's part of your monthly fee. That's mm. what I do for you. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. You know? And I never, you know how I found out about it? TikTok. Of course. <laughs> there was a doctor who brought it up. She said, this is what I do for my people in Houston. And this is what it's called. You go on the internet, you look it up, you'll find people in your area. There were like seven in my area. And I'm like, whoa, you know? So it really has been a blessing. Unfortunately, I'm a little behind on my payments, so I don't mess with them. But I'll get it together really soon. But just having that has been really good. Because Medicaid, this is Texas. The only way you're getting Medicaid is if you're literally... If you are terminal, over 65, but heck, you're going to get Medicare anyway if it was 65, and it was, you know, children and stuff. Like, even that's hard. Mm. But, like, someone like me, the only way I could get it is if I was approved through Social Security Disability. And because I was denied, Medicaid denied me. And you mentioned doing an appeal for mm-hmm. with a lawyer. Has, has that, is that still in progress? Yes, I did yeah. the appeal literally. These things take so long. That's the first thing they told me. It's going to take a while, this and that. And um, I even know, um, because I had to tell them about, you know, going to get this, going to the doctor, to the psychiatrist, to get this new diagnosis. And um, she said, let me call up there and see where your case is at. She was like, uh, I know they assigned, they, they assigned someone to your case. They haven't touched it yet. And that's been since May. But I mean, what can you do? You yeah. know, um, I say, well, they need to know about this. She said, yeah, definitely. She said, that's the one of the main things they need to know. Um, I was like, okay. Because um, even the disability doctor had told me, he was like, you know, for disability, you only need one thing. It just needs to be, you know, severe and this and that, da, 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 all the different, you know, criteria that they have. He said, you have like four or five. <laughs> this shouldn't be yeah. too hard. That was before last week's diagnosis. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I, you said something a while back about when you were denied for disability, that imposter syndrome kicked in. And mm-hmm. that I, this is so interesting to me because what I didn't know until I applied and was denied for disability is that almost everyone is denied, no matter what, first time. And it's like, it's a part of the process. Yeah, no, I didn't know yeah. that either. Like, once you learn that, it's like, I, I luckily learned that in time to expect it when my first denial came back. I just got my second mm. denial. I'm now in a place mm. where I either have to get a lawyer or give up on it. Um, but mm. apparently that's not as hard as you would think it is. There's a lot of companies out there that specialize in, you know, getting you your disability and that you don't, I've heard that you don't have to pay anything unless they can get you your disability and they really fight for it. So I'm thinking about doing that. Um, That's a whole other story, but you know, Mm -hmm. but just the way the system works is kind of built to crush people, you know, (laughs) like that denial is like crushing. And the way that you described it is exactly how a lot of people feel, but we all feel that in isolation and in silence, because how are we supposed to know, you know, there's no handbook. For living with chronic mm-hmm. illness and, and unless you can listen to other people talk about it 
I'm a huge part of why I, I love this doing this podcast is learning mm-hmm. all this stuff from people. But unless you've heard someone else talk about it, the natural reaction is to kind of feel like you are an imposter. It's your fault and to give up. And I think that mm-hmm. that's why they, that's why the system is built that way. You know? Um, and I think one of the things it depends, because this is the energy I get from you and I'm the same way. We are very, I'll say sweet people where we believe in people. Like, I remember the lady from Social Security calling me, you know, we need this document. It's okay, fine. She said, do you have any questions for me? And I was like, no, not really. And her, um, she just kept asking me, do you have any questions? Do you have any questions? And I finally said, no, I really don't have any questions. I said, because my whole thing is all I can do, and I remember these exact words, all I can do is present my information to you, to you all to social security and either you decide it's okay or it's not. That's all I can do. That was my innocence because I'm very much like that. I believe in people, um, which has been an issue in my life. But, um, you know, I just, I was so in it and I applied on my own. You know, I sat there and typed it all in and all those 50 million pages and putting the same information in. And then you are like, is that well yeah it does you know you're putting this stuff in so when i got the denial and i didn't know that 70 to 80 percent of people are denied the first time the problem was my godmother who had ms she applied like it was years ago like in may by august she was getting her first check there was no <laughs> if ands or buts you yeah. know but she had had ms and it was very complicated and plus she was closer to retirement age and that that's a factor into it too but i was really devastated and a good friend of mine it's weird because we're literally the same age we grew up together we partied together and all that he you think i'm we're literally like neck and neck with like he's had all these back surgeries and all this other kind of stuff but he applied um and his took years it took two or three years. Um, and he told me, he said, just hold out, just wait. He said, that's the hard part is the waiting. Mm-hmm. And I, I questioned that. Like if I told my brother, I said, what if I didn't have you or my other brother or mom or really any family? What if it was literally just me in the world? Yeah. I think Where about that would I all be? the time. I think about that all the time. I feel so lucky in that way. The people that I have mm-hmm. in my life. You know, and even though I, I haven't been able to work and I have not been able to get on disability, I'm not starving. I have a great place to live. You mm-hmm. know, I have great insurance um, because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm in the state of Washington. I was able to get on Medicaid very easily, you know, very different system over here. Yeah, Everybody told me to go home. They're like, go home to Michigan because <laughs> Michigan, they will do it in a heartbeat. But my case had already started and so forth yeah. and so on. And the lady was like, if you, if you leave and you go to Michigan, you're literally starting all over again. And I'm like, I've already waited, waited like five or six months as it yeah. is. So I just said, forget it. And I thought Texas would be gracious, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you yeah, know, it, it's a dizzy. I'm so interested in, in this idea of believing in people. And I'm told, you're right, I'm totally that way. I totally believe mm-hmm. in people until they give me a reason not to. But mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sensing that you have a hard time believing in, in yourself when you are saying, I, you know, I, you deserve to be on disability and you have been through so much and you deserve care for that. 
And I, I sense Don't your... make me cry. Don't make me cry. And <laughs> 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 Jessica, I don't mean to cut you off, but it's like when things come, I have to say them because I'll forget. Yeah. But when the disability evaluation doctor was seeing me, um, even though he was like, yeah, don't you want to go back to work? And I was like, to be honest, I would love to. I said, but I'm not stable. I can't even stand up or sit down too long. Like even right now sitting down, I know I'm going to have to get up and go do some stuff because my hip is already hurting or whatever. Yeah. But he turned around and was on this thing. He said, Mr. Thomas, one thing I want to tell you. He was like, you are who disability is for. Mm. He said, the situation where you're with your brother or you could possibly go, because I was very clear. I said, if I get disability, I have to go to Mexico. Even if it's just a border to survive off that income. I, it would be better for me to be there than to be here. Um, but he said, either way, he was like, he said, this is the perfect thing for you. He said, because I know you're going through a lot and this is for you. And I've had people, the little note my mother even sent me, you know, um, I, she was alluding to that, but because I'm always saying, I'm okay. I'm okay. And the truth is, I'm not. Like, even right now, I feel like crying. And I do that a lot where I can feel it. I'm like, nope, you know, or I'm not necessarily no, but I'm just like, just push on. You're just being, you know, whatever. Um, it's been hard. Like I say, my hardest period is two or three o'clock in the morning. Yeah. I'm a heavy dreamer. Heavy. It's like lucid dreaming that I do. Now some people are like, oh, that's a bipolar problem. Okay, whatever. I don't care. I've been like that since I was like two. But my dreams have even changed. And at some points they were very dark and scary to the point I was like, am I preparing to die? I mean, that's just, you know, so when they were asking questions, do you have um, you know, trigger warning? Do you have um, uh, suicidal thoughts or do you ever want to harm like, no, I said, but I always feel like I'm about to die, you know, or I always fantasize what my funeral is going to be like, like who's going to really be upset during the funeral, you know, <laughs> and, you know, who can I, the person that didn't call me, then they go like, I should have called me like in the spirit world. Yes, you should have. Now I'm gone. Bye. You know? So, um, yeah, yeah. It, it's, it, I'm glad you said that. And thank you for that. Um, it is hard yeah, because I have been so independent for so many years, you know, occasionally your mom, hey, mama messed up, I need like 500, you know, whatever, you know, that's what we do or whatever. But I've been so independent. And now I even told the doctor, I said, do you really think I would go through all that to get not even a quarter of what my salary used to be? Do you really think I would go through that? No, I just can't do it anymore. I can't get up and go stand somewhere or, or even the stress and you know they send you that little you know the little letter even though we know you have limitations you can still do something like what where am i going to go work for 20 hours a week how am i surviving off of that you know and then i'm stumbling and falling i've been hit by cars before in the middle of the road because i was off balance you know yeah. it's like you don't know. I can't do all of that anymore. Well, I, yeah, I relate to this a lot. I mean, I, I've been in this place recently where I've, I'm on medication that's helping. And I'm starting to do better. And I'm like, and mm -hmm. I've been trying to push myself a little bit. And I keep hitting these walls and making myself worse. And I did. I had some external pushback recently about the fact that I haven't been working. Um, mm. It's like, you know, 
I do this podcast and it's a lot of work and, yes. and I'm consistent mm -hmm. with it. And, mm -hmm. and for me, it's like, that's the, like the kind of the, you know, this and like my other creative work, I'm really pushing myself to do as much as I can. Some days it's like nothing. Some days I'm still just flat on the couch. When I try to push through that, I, I get worse. So exactly like knowing exactly. where my limits are and knowing that, right. I, you know, and part of the reason this is the work that I choose to do with the podcast is that this fuels me and, and like gives me, gives me life and makes me feel better because mm -hmm. it is important to me. And, mm -hmm. you know, that's a very different thing than like getting up and doing a job. It takes a different type of energy. And that energy is something that I am, you know, clawing my way back towards, but have not had mm -hmm. for six years. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. when someone recently questioned that, I, I was, I was doubting myself and I was like going back through my memory and, you know, mm -hmm. having all these feelings of like, could I have been working? And it's just like, you know, all this time that I spent on the couch in pain, not doing anything. I don't think I could have been working during those days, you know? You should have been up exercising and doing yoga and stretching and running. Go right. to hell. Right. <laughs> no, yeah. No one else is in your body feeling what you're feeling. And even recently, like I did really well the last month, but I, I did the math and I was like up and doing stuff for, for half of the month, you know, like mm. two weeks out of the month. And that was the most I've had in a long time. And that feels like so much to me. But, mm -hmm. you know, you can't work a job two weeks out of a month. <laughs> Just, it, I was on my job for six years straight, you know, occasional trip yeah. here or there, you know, whatever. In a given pay period, we'll just say a pay period. I was salary. So for two weeks, out of that two weeks, at least, I would say four days, I was either hobbling through the museum mm. at home, just getting out of emergency, trying some new drug that was, you know, having me heave. This was six years of doing this yeah. and pushing and pushing and pushing. Yeah. Um, yes, I did have some periods. I'm like, okay, I feel good. But then that next week or two, once again, I'm down. You know, I, I can't walk. You know, I'm dealing with some new thing. My arm, like for a period, my arm wouldn't even go up. You know, I couldn't even shower. Um, it's gotten a little bit better, but then it clicks back again. So that's the thing with chronic illness. That's why it's chronic and what people don't get. Yeah. Yes, you can be have a quote-unquote good day, even a good week. You might have a three-week period where you're like, okay, I think I'm dying. You know, and that's what people don't get. And you can smile through the whole thing. Exactly. It's so true. And yeah, and like, I, I, I went through this like really stressful period where I questioned myself very hard. And I came out with the same answers that I've had all along, which is that I stopped working because my body forced me to. And mm -hmm. I really am trying very hard to get back to a place where I can be stable. But I've learned mm -hmm. that if I don't live in harmony with what my body is telling me, then I will get worse. And mm -hmm. that's not worth it. You know, mm -hmm. so I, I have to find a way to do things that work with what my body is telling me that I can do. And I've worked really hard at that. And I've, this podcast is doing great, you know, and I, mm -hmm. I now make a couple hundred dollars a month from doing this podcast from Patreon, which is incredible. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. in my 
soon as I get some money, I'm sending some Patreon. <laughs> and I, and, 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 well, and please take care of yourself first. <laughs> but the one thing that you always talk about is rare patient voices. Yeah, rare patient voice. Yeah. I don't have it here. I got my first check yesterday. You did it. You went through the process and you got a check. Amazing. Yep. That's yep. so and cool. I was waiting for that because you know me. Like, I'm a black girl. I'm like, where is my money? Where is <laughs> And I didn't see the video where it says, in order for you to get it, the the, serve, the whole process has to finish and all the interview. And I'm like, oh, okay. So it did come. But in the meantime, I had already done two or three more. I have more checks coming. And I'm no like, way. And, and I told someone yesterday, I said, no, it's not a great deal of money, but it helps me with little things, you know, my own toiletries, you know, things like that. Um, just little things. If I want to give $10 to a niece or nephew, which I don't give them money, but anyway, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but it really helps. And I'm so grateful to you for mentioning that. Wow. Um, I just added my new diagnosis to there. So I'm like, maybe I get some more from that. That's so like, cool. I gotta be careful. I don't want to get too much. Cause then the social security, like, do you have, it? yeah, a little survey here and there. And I have other ones that I've done before too. And I have one coming up this weekend. But I really appreciate your show and you mentioning that. I think that is a really great thing for people like us who we 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 don't work, we can't work. Um, um, to to have something, it, it makes you number one, especially rare patient voices, because you're contributing to your own community by answering these questions, whatever your illness might be. They might have that survey, so you're helping someone else somewhere. Um, it also helps you because you're having to answer questions, meaning you have to think about your own self. Mm -hmm. You know, my first one was an AS, the one I got to check was from AS. That was really cool. And it wasn't even, it was about, I got a lot of things about what does the survey itself look like? And like, yeah, this is horrible. You know, this, you know, so that's what it came from. But it just made me really, really, really feel good you know you get up you get wow. dressed you get clean you know and that stuff makes like me that. so happy because i actually tried to sign up for it and as soon as i got to the part where it's like what is your diagnosis i'm like i oh. don't know i don't know oh, <laughs> so God. i i have not been able to to complete any rare patient voice surveys because i don't know what my diagnosis is as soon as oh. i get one i'm going to do it <laughs> Oh my but this God. is the I first time like 50 of them the first day. This is the first time <laughs> I've heard from someone directly who's done it. And I'm thrilled to hear that it was a good experience. Cause I, I yeah. did some research to, to make sure that the company was legit. I asked Alana mm -hmm. Jacqueline who knows a lot about these type of things. And she said, yes, this is a great company to work with. Um, and so every time anyone who listens signs up with our link, rarepatientvoice.com mm -hmm. slash major pain podcast. Um, I, I get a $10 gift card to Amazon, oh, awesome. which is amazing. So like all anyone has to do to send a tip to this podcast is to sign up and that, you know, it adds up and I, it, uh, some of my um, supplements that I'm currently taking, I get from Amazon because I, it's like the only place I can find specific things. Um, say yeah. what you will about Amazon, but you know, that two day shipping and, uh, and all that it's, it's hard to resist sometimes. Listen, so here like, in Fort Worth, yeah. I see there's an airport that Amazon uses. I see their planes come and land. When I order something through Amazon, they're literally like, do you want it in an hour or two? They'll come right around the corner. And wow. <laughs> yeah. But, but I don't really, I, yeah, like I say, I financially, that was the other devastating thing was yeah. um, losing 
I mean, it was my decision, but losing my income. Um, but you know, it really wasn't worth it because of my health. Yeah. Well, yeah, um, being chronically ill is a full-time job that you don't get paid for. Right. Yeah. I <laughs> lost that. And then one of the things that was kind of weird was the identity I had. Mm. Oh, I'm, you know, so-and-so with such and such museum. I wasn't arrogant, but I knew, and I knew I had the corporate card and be like, Oh yes, here you go. You know, whatever. And losing all that. And then it was like, okay, because you know how you am. Well, who are you? Well, I'm such and such. And now I'm like, yeah, I'm Kevin. I'm really sick all the time. <laughs> you know? <laughs> oh, but totally. I'm more than my sickness, you know? Oh, and, absolutely. You know. That, th- this is the one thing that everyone else in the world finally got to experience with COVID is like mm-hmm. when you can't do the thing that you identified as, as who you are, the question mm-hmm. becomes, who am I? And I, exactly. I really struggled through that for years. So I, mm-hmm. I totally empathize with that. Yeah. And, you know, mm-hmm. I, I empathize with a lot of what you're talking about, this idea of, like, ha- having independence and being, like, fiercely independent and having joy in being independent and then having something happen to your body that takes that away. And then even just, like, taking medication. You know, I, this took me years to kind of get in a good place with taking medication, where when a doctor would tell me to take something... I would try it for a couple of weeks and be like, I hate this and go off. Right. You know? Just because mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm. I didn't like, you know, I didn't like how my body was feeling, but I didn't like taking something that made me feel weird or different in any sort of way. And unfortunately, a lot of medications have an adjustment period. And I'm finally, yes. I, I finally got that just this year mm-hmm. when, uh, you know, I've tried anti-inflammatories over and over, never did anything mm-hmm. for me. So I just stopped taking them, never, never really mm-hmm. went too deep with it. Um, mm-hmm. But and I've told this story before, but like I tweaked my back earlier this year and went on ibuprofen for a week, and it's like the longest I'd ever been taking it at the highest dose I'd ever been taking it. And after a week, some of my symptoms started to get better. Some of my like mm-hmm. my constant pain and my brain fog and and my inability to to function got a little bit better. And it was mm-hmm. this like clue. It's like, hey, maybe you have an inflammatory issue. Um, speaking of what we've been talking about with with right, your case, right, you know. Right. Um, but because all my inflammatory markers have come back normal, that's never been on the table. And I am now on, you know, a, a, an NSAID, non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drug mm-hmm. every day. And it's helped a lot. It's one of the drugs mm-hmm. in, my, in my cocktail that's been helping. But there was no way to know that I needed that until I had been taking one for, for at least a week. And when mm-hmm. I started this new one, it made me feel awful at first. But then a week later, I started to feel better. So it's mm-hmm. really, really hard with medication to know when it's helping and to know when you need to stay on it. And I have finally, finally come to this place of like, okay, my doctor's telling me to take this. I trust this doctor. I've shopped around doctors. I know that this is a good one. I'm just going to take this, you know, I, and just mm-hmm. make that decision and just do it. And it's been really, really hard for me, but I, I got to say, like, it has made a huge difference in my life. I'm still there because, <laughs> especially insects, I... I was on uh, Celebrex for a long time, along with my biologic and along with some other stuff. And I had to have endoscopy and colonoscopy and the gastro doctor. She was just like, have you been taking ibuprofen or something? And I was like, yeah, well, I have AS. So, you know, it helps, you know, this and that. She's like, yeah, I'm seeing little ulcers everywhere. And yeah, I'm like, what? She said, they're, yeah. she said, they're, they're not bad bad she said but they're there and she said you need to you know cut back but i was literally on like celebrate every day 
you know. I'm and, so and glad you mentioned point, that. I'm so glad you mentioned that because that, yeah. And I, my doctor put me on, now I'm on Peroxicam, which I just started because it's supposed yeah. to be better for your gut. And that, yeah, that's mm-hmm. a huge risk factor. And that's why we always say, don't do anything without talking to your doctor. Don't yeah, take exactly. ibuprofen without talking to your doctor. Everything has side effects. Everything can cause something else. Mm-hmm. And that's so important listening to this podcast you know, I'm just a patient. I'm, I am not a medical professional of any kind. I'm like, just do, a patient. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Don't do anything because we said to do it. Take mm-hmm. these ideas to your doctor and talk to them about it. Cause yes. there's a lot that we don't know. Yeah. Cause like I say, even with that, uh, I don't really like, um, I got another Celebrex, um, just to pull me out of those periods again. Like I say, with my ribs, I'm like, Oh my God, it's hurt. Doctor's like, okay, let's try this again. But it's as needed. Um, and I really try to just only like, okay, this is like really hurting. I'll do it. Okay. It feels a little bit better. It's still not 100%, but I'm done with the medication. You know, that's why it's taking me so long to get on the mental health um, medication. Cause I was like, I don't know what I'm going to feel. Cause I know when I took, you know, the anxiety, man, I had brain zaps, which I had never had before. And that was the weirdest feeling. It was like, I'm like, what is that? Oh, you yeah. know, and I had to go learn what brain zaps were. And then I was like, <laughs> oh, they're kind of cool. I like those. That way I know the medicine is working, you know, or whatever. <laughs> but yeah, I don't, I don't even like taking vitamins, anything. I don't like anything. Um, and I've always been like that. Um, so it, I definitely understand you on that point. Definitely yeah. do. Yeah, I've got my three time a day, uh, week long pillbox now that <laughs> where i've got everything in there that i'm taking and you know it's hel- it's helping it's really it's really helped but yeah it was a really a really hard yep, you got one right there <laughs> actually this came from a nonprofit organization that uh, deals with bipolar mm. uh the lady was wonderful she sent me her book a beautiful journal so i can make notes about my moves and symptoms and then this pill and I know the people in the audience can't see it, so you know it's like an inside joke, but you see this. See is, and I thought that was so cool. I was like, oh, that's so nice. Yeah, but that's yeah. a nice one. Uh, yeah, it's for like if you take things she said, because she said that you take medications twice a day. I'm like, yeah, I take them whenever a day. But she said that one. So that was really nice. It was really, really nice. And that that's one thing I like um, about the different communities, like the AS community. The migraine community. Now I'm in the bipolar community and different mm. groups and things like that. Just the reception that I've received. I must say, though, the bipolar one has been the best. They wow. have been just so amazing and nice. Um, the AS community has been really, it's been cool because, to be very honest, there are very few African Americans that are. Um, they're even diagnosed with AS. And those that are diagnosed with ankylosing spondylitis, our outcomes are actually a lot of times worse because most times we, like my diagnosis was literally 20 plus years late. Mm. That's why I had so much damage. And um, so just um, seeing other African-Americans in the AS community is like always amazing. Pretty much I'm always like, Maybe like three of us. Migraine, a little different, you know. Bipolar, 
yeah, there's a lot of us. <laughs> that <laughs> that kind of helps. So it's, it's been really nice to meet yeah. everyone. Wow. You don't feel as alone. I hope you get a diagnosis Ugh. soon so you can I be in a community. <laughs> I know, so I can sign up for Rare Patient Voice finally. <laughs> right. <laughs> like that will actually be a badge of honor for me. Um, well, man, I feel like we could talk all day. I am starting I know, to get. I know, I feel so bad. I'm starting to get so a much. Oh, no, it's been amazing. It's been so great. Um, I, I'm starting to twitch a little bit over here, and I, my body's like, okay, time to lie down. Before well, we I wrap just started up, to watch because I'm like, oh, the nieces and nephews will be home in a minute from school, yeah. so it's a wrap. <laughs> I, I really feel like you know, I feel like we we have hours more of stuff we could talk about. Um, I know. But this has been so I'm sorry so if I great. Rambled. I'm you so did an incredible. Don't be listeners. sorry. You've done such a great job. <laughs> I have. I have to ask my last question for you. Sure. You've been through so much over the last few years. Um, if you could go back to right before your AS diagnosis, if you could go back in time and talk to yourself in that moment, given everything you've learned since then, what piece of advice would you give yourself? Hmm. Kevin, love yourself and hold yourself through everything. Oh, that's beautiful. Th that is such a good answer. No one's ever said that mm -hmm. before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's because I had to... Uh, affirm that quite often last summer just keep loving you and then through like you said through all of this dealing with so much dealing with my own self-loathing and um kind of that imposter thing maybe i'm not as bad and then, da, 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 da. And then like i said i almost cried when you said that no you deserve it you deserve this because and I don't realize it until I talk about it. So that's why these things mm. are, these type of shows are very important because you hold so much in. I mean, even if you write it on paper, that's one thing. But when you can speak it, because just talking to you today, excuse my language audience, I'm like, damn, I've been <laughs> through a lot. Yeah. You know? <laughs> um, and still going through it because I know there's some more mental stuff going on and I'm supposed to go through a, another assessment for something else. But, um, yeah, but I really enjoyed this. And I must say, once again, I really, I listen to a lot of podcasts. Um, I really enjoy your show. Oh, I really you. enjoy it. Just, you're so funny. You're always bubbly, like your intro before the person comes on. I'm like, I look forward to that because you're like, okay, update. No, 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 no. I just love it. You know, it's just so amazing. Oh, thank you. And the other people that you've had on the show, they are so real. You know, you don't get people who are very canned. Like, oh, yes, and today. That, no, your people are like, look, I love the people that cuss because that is hilarious <laughs> to me because these illnesses will make you cuss or cuss somebody out. That's just how it is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I... I appreciate that so much. And, you know, it, this show is just all real people. You know, it, mm -hmm. most of the people who come on this show have never been on a podcast before. And mm. the only qualification that I require is that you have a chronic illness or disability of any kind. Mm -hmm. That's the only qualification. And I am continually shocked by how good people are on the podcast. You, you included 100%. You've done such a great job. I love your answer about, you know, your advice would be to love yourself. I think that's, mm -hmm. that is profound. Like that is mm -hmm. so important and it's so difficult, you know, like as someone with a chronic illness, when other people tell me about what they've been through, I always just feel so much empathy and 
I and and kinship. You know, it's like yes, mm-hmm. I've been through these things too, or something similar. And I I I can tell how hard it's been for you from the way you talk about it. And like, I just want all the best for you. It is so Thank hard you. to feel that about yourself. You know, it is so mm-hmm. hard to look at your own journey and say, "Hey, me, you've been through a lot, and I want the best for you, and I'm gonna." I'm going to love you and support you. It is so hard to do that for yourself. But mm-hmm. just in the last, you know, like I've only known you for the last two hours, um, just chatting a little bit before we started recording and just, you know, the hour and a half we've spent together talking. I know that you are a lovable guy. I can, I can see that you have an amazing personality. You're so fun to talk to. I'm telling and- that. <laughs> but see, there it is. It's hard. It's hard to love yourself. It's hard to take that take that in from someone else too. And I, you know, I, I think that that is a brilliant answer to that question. And I, I'm so glad you said that. I think it's really, really important. And I, I wish you all the best in your journey. Thank I want to, I want to stay updated. Um, you know, you're right in the midst of things. So as they develop, mm-hmm. let me know. Um, okay. yeah. And before we wrap up anything at all that you'd like to plug any social media, anything like that, you'd like to share with our audience. Major pain podcast. Um, <laughs> I love it. One last thing about this, Joe. I love your logo or your banner, or whatever. It's something about the color. I don't, it's soothing, but it's energetic and it reminds me of San Antonio. Mm. It's festive in a way. I love that. Oh. But um, any other plugs? Um, I no. I, I there's so many things I like to say, but I don't. I, I'm still learning to myself. But um, for vestibular migraines and things like that, especially uh, definitely Veda, Veda, V-E-D-A, anything dealing with your vestibular, if you're having dizziness, um, balance issues, definitely check out Veda. They are amazing. I do know that they have um, uh, links to their uh, little documentary they did um, on YouTube. Amazing. That helped me so much. Um, and if you're dealing with ankylosing spondylitis or rheumatoid arthritis, find your community. Talk to people. Um, a lot of times we just go into places and, you know, doctors give you diagnosis. You go, you take the meds, and you don't know what's going on. I've learned so much just from listening to other people. But definitely VEDA for the um, bad. And I can't think of the ones for AS right now, but those right now. Bipolar, I'm still learning though. So yeah, but great advice to find a community of people experiencing something similar. And I, I know you're on Instagram, um, and I always tag people on Instagram and TikTok. Are you on TikTok mm-hmm. as well? You mentioned TikTok earlier, so I'll tag you in both yeah. spots if that yeah if that works for you. If anyone wants to find you out there and reach out, or or you know, I'm gonna do a new questions. TikTok because I have three and people it's about AS, <laughs> but now I'm about to do some on um, mental health because I think it's important, especially for the. Um, african-american community brown community um uh right now um yeah. really everyone especially because they just gave out some t- statistics about uh through the pandemic uh, black and brown people have dealt with more anxiety than other groups which is strange but i know everyone regardless of race creed color whatever this has been a rough period for yeah. a lot of people and i think um if i do plug anything talk to your doctor Talk to your doctor, not just psychiatrists. And stuff. They're not the only ones. Your main doctor, if you have one, if you have the financial resources or whatnot, talk to them. Let them let them know how you're feeling, and um, 
if you don't have a physician, but you know you, look in your community. The one I go through is county and state. I didn't even know it's the second best in the state of Texas. I was like, I lucked out on that one. Um, I haven't paid a dime for my care. Mm. That That is amazing. Not even for the medication or anything. And I know that exists in other communities. So definitely reach out. Don't go it alone. And if you don't think you have anything, still mention to your doctor. You'll be shocked because I really did. I thought I was perfectly fine. (laughs) Just thought I had a wonderful, flaky personality. Yeah. Now I know. (laughs) Wow. Well, Kevin, this has been so fun. What a great conversation. You did an incredible job. I, uh, I really, really appreciate your openness and sharing about Thanks. these things that are difficult. Um, but I, I just wish you all the best in your journey. And I, I love hearing when people are researchers because I'm the same way. And I feel like that has opened up a lot of doors for me with my doctors. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Doing this show has opened up so many doors because I'm so much more literate in medicine um, mm-hmm. just from talking to so many people. And I've brought a lot of ideas to the table that we are now acting on, which is so exciting so yeah the more you research learn yourself you know i mean so much about this was so was so interesting and so great to know like that idea of like taking that look at yourself um after your bipolar diagnosis and sort of you know reevaluating your your own self i mean that's so powerful and so important Mm -hmm. and we should all do that we should all have mental health care anyone with a chronic illness needs mental health care um Mm -hmm. And these things overlap, you know, being in chronic pain, being dizzy all the time, being anxious about being dizzy, causing anxiety, you know, those things being back and forth, everything in your body is all in your body, you know? Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, yeah, Mm -hmm. just so much about this I've loved so much. Thank you so, so much for your time. You did an amazing job. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of Major Pain. I'm Jesse Mercury, your host and the producer of this podcast. Artwork by Egg Salad Salad. Our theme music is the song Time Machine from my sci-fi synth-pop album, available at jessemercury.bandcamp.com. Send your thoughts or questions to our email address, majorpainpodcast at gmail.com. You can also use that address to find us on PayPal. Tips are greatly appreciated. Don't forget to leave a positive rating and review on Apple Podcasts or the podcast platform of your choice. Find more information about this show or leave a comment on any episode at our website, majorpainpodcast.com. Major Pain is supported by listeners on Patreon. Thank you to our $2 per month supporters, our $7 per month patrons, Naomi Adele Smith, Sunny Roberts, Laura Stevens, Brooke Walters Schmidt, Kelsey Madsen, All Around Foundation Waterproofing, Danielle Signorelli, Alexandria Henderson, and Justin Minnick. And our $25 per month producers, Steve Cavanaugh, Chris Fowler, Ensign Q, Trish O'Brien, and Hipster Leia. Learn how you can support the show while receiving special recognition, gifts, and monthly bonus episodes at patreon.com slash majorpain podcast.